We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Sam, it's finally happening. How you doing? Ask me how I'm doing. I am doing <laughs> phenomenally well, Mike. Thank you so much for asking. And uh, this is a really big day. Yeah. This uh, is is a really big day, as big as maybe any day we've had over mm-hmm. the past five years of doing this podcast, four years, five years, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it and and as always, news breaks just before we were about to return to our internal development series tonight. <laughs> on um, hold again. On hold again for a few more days mm-hmm. uh, as just massive, massive news breaks. Yep, that's right. It was announced today by Robert Sarver that he has plans to sell the Phoenix Suns. Finally, it's funny we've doing. This is our fifth season on this podcast, and I, I myself have thought, wouldn't it be cool if? Robert Sarver sold the team while we're covering it. You know, you and I doing this podcast and it's happening. Uh, He had a statement that was whiny and, you know, just blamed other people. But the crux of it was that he, uh, let me find the exact wording. For those reasons, I am beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and Mercury. Uh, So with everything that's happened, over the course of what was it a week and a half two weeks it hasn't been that long two weeks i think not not Uh, even two weeks yep yeah uh robert sarver has essentially come to the decision the conclusion uh to sell the team and sell the phoenix mercury as well which is i think expected if he were to sell the phoenix suns uh so this is excellent news excellent news for the people who work for the team excellent news for the players i think and excellent news for fans i think for fans obviously there are many many reasons to to dislike Robert Sarver. Uh, this last week and a half gave us a, a litany, a huge list of other reasons. Uh, but Sam, I'll just ask you this. First of all, what was your reaction when you saw this news? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> uh, we, we were in the discord. Um, 
I think like my first the discord broke the news to me I was not on Twitter at the time uh, and people in there were going insane and as they should be I mean this mm-hmm. is it's it, it's it's hard to talk about in a way Mike because I do think it's nuanced right this is still a delicate situation where we're trying to understand that there were people who were victims here mm-hmm. uh, that you know and and so like there's a whole side of this that I do still think we have to address where Robert Sarver walks away from this as still a rich man. And just because he's no longer in a position where he can hurt these people doesn't mean that it's completely justice for for all of those victims. You understand? At the same time, this is as good of an outcome as you could have asked for in a way Mm -hmm. or or almost Mm -hmm. as good of an outcome as you could have asked for. If he finally walks away from the organization, something that truthfully, I don't think most Suns fans thought was possible Maybe even after the news broke for a while, like I, I don't think people thought it would happen this fast, mostly because of ego. I thought, you know, yeah. the the kind of general consensus, as I understood it, was that everyone was saying he's going to clutch onto this for as long as he possibly can. And, you know, maybe eventually he's forced to sell because of public outcry. But this process right. could take months. And as it turns out, it only took two weeks. So that's right. Less I was two very weeks, yeah. I was very excited. Don't get it wrong. This is absolutely, I was super excited. This is a day uh, of celebration for Suns fans, yeah. I think. I mean, you can um, make the cases that this is one of the biggest days in Suns history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everyone should be happy. It's just also understanding that it is a little bit of a delicate situation uh, at the same time. And, and yeah. you know, I think that's why it's important to to bring it all back to the people who really got this started. Which, I mean, there's two main groups of people that we have to thank in particular, right? It's, yeah. on the one hand, the victims who mm-hmm. bravely and courageously uh, uh, spoke to the investigators in the first place, gave them the information that they needed in order to conclude that that essentially Sarver had no place um, in the NBA. Um, and also Baxter Holmes for putting out the original article uh, on ESPN over a year ago mm-hmm. that kind of got the whole ball rolling and, and risked his reputation, put his reputation on the line as yeah. well in doing so. Yeah, I, I do think, I mentioned it on our last podcast. I imagine more people will listen to this one uh, than the last one. Uh, so just to reiterate it, in the last week since the news came out, I have been in contact with uh, many former Suns employees and even current Suns employees. Two things have been told to me. Uh, one, people who spoke to the investigators in some ways regretted what they did in, in going through it again, living it again, uh, because of what they perceived as a lack of punishment by the NBA or something that was just did not go far enough. And the other part I heard about, and this is something I didn't mention in the last podcast, and maybe Sam, you'll be hearing it for the first time. I heard that there were employees, current employees on the Phoenix Suns who were terrified about their future with the Suns because of the news that they heard. I think there were people who worked for the team that were hoping that there was a situation where he could no longer uh, torture them <laughs> in some ways. And they saw a future with him coming back in just a year. And that's, that is no time at all uh, as far as a career goes. And those people, I think all uh, probably are taking a moment to smile today. It feels like the first time you can kind of smile about the future of the Phoenix Suns. You know, of course, there's nobody that's going to come in and fix all of this, and we'll talk about the potential uh, buyers later on in this episode. But just the fact that he can be gone, I think, mm-hmm. is a nice moment to just sit back and laugh. Uh, and yes, I think thanking those people who spoke, thanking Baxter, and even beyond that, 
three players, three NBA players spoke on the record about this. And honestly, the three players that spoke about this is no surprise when thinking about the current state of the NBA. Those three players were first LeBron James, second Chris Paul, and between the last episode and this episode, Draymond Green, who spoke about it on his podcast and called on the owners directly to vote on the future of Robert Sarver, which I think a a player directly implicating the other owners in this is huge. And I think the way that he worded it just as carefully as both Chris Paul's and LeBron James's statements were worded. I think Draymond, who tends to shoot from the hip, did it in a very calculated way this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and those three players, I think put a lot on the line to say those things. And all, all three of them, have massive influence. Of course, Chris Paul, long time, long time player, former the NBA owner player. Yes, yeah. they call him now. <laughs> yeah. By the way, somebody in a group chat told me the Knicks should be trying to trade everything for Chris Paul right now <laughs> to get rid of their owner because Chris Paul seems to be the catalyst. Yeah. In all, <laughs> in all of these owners leaving, uh, but Chris Paul, long time All Star, former president of the Players Union, LeBron James, most influential player in the NBA in his time in the NBA. And then Draymond Green, possibly the most outspoken player on the best team that has existed in the NBA for the past 10 years. Uh, So all three of those guys speaking out, I think put the right amount of pressure on everyone involved to do the right thing. And then beyond that, of course, PayPal, who I think did an excellent thing, which is making their statement public. On our last episode, I talked about how public pressure matters, but in this situation, I think private pressure could go a long ways and we have since found out from Ramona Shelburne on ESPN she said there was a ton of private pressure from people involved with the league league sponsors as a whole you know people who maybe didn't want to make a statement to make bigger waves but did want to put the pressure on the league and other owners to do the right thing privately and it sounds like that all happened in this last week so no surprise uh, from me there, yeah. but I think all of those things combined is what led to the conclusion that we're seeing now. Definitely, it, it, it was a wave, right? And so it's a combination of all of those things. And look, private pressure is great, and I'm not going to pretend that we ever knew everything that was going on behind the scenes. I do think there's an extra layer of gratitude that's owed when uh, a company yeah. actually goes public. A hundred percent, to be honest. Yeah, so absolutely, you know, and they like, were very clear in their statement too. Not that I mean, you know, PayPal, like. I'm not going to lick the boot entirely either. They only went so far. They're not going to break their contract. They simply said that at the end of their contract, they would not renew with the Suns. Right. But I still, I thought that was more more powerful, frankly, than any sort of behind-the-scenes pressure that we may have gotten uh, from sponsors. Like, you know, just to call a spade a spade, the rest of the Suns sponsors, we didn't hear anything from them. We got that one statement from Kia because Gerald Bourget, our, our friend over at PHNX, he reached out to Kia and then they put out that weak ass statement saying that, saying nothing, saying nothing yeah. basically. And the rest, the rest of the companies obviously did not want to be associated in the same way. They didn't want to get into it. So they just ignored it. And, um, but yeah, so, so definitely credit to PayPal for being the one who, who put, two feet forward uh, publicly. Mm -hmm. And then also just for the players, man, a certain amount of gratitude, all three of those players for sure. Chris, we expected a statement from him all along, but really a certain amount of gratitude is owed here towards LeBron fucking James because for only three players to make a statement in the entire league. And again, you know, I've said before, and I will say again, 
players, especially current Suns players, I don't think they necessarily owed us some sort of statement. I think it's asking a lot of them to go up against their boss. Um, but most players in the NBA kind of were just behind the the official spokesperson or, or statements from the NBA Players Association, but did not mm-hmm. want to speak directly. For yeah. one of the three players who actually spoke directly to be LeBron James. And a first. Player, and, and first, with as much sway as he has and as much influence and reach as he has, effectively turning it in, along with, you know, all the sponsor stories on the side and whatever, uh, turning this into a national story that was picked up routinely by non-NBA media around the country. That was huge. And, and it just played such a massive part in um, in kind of turning this into the avalanche that it became. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned it on the last podcast as all of us waiting for the worst person to make a good decision. And ultimately, that is what happened. Robert Sarver, regardless of uh, reasons why, if you want to list it, and I think the way that he sort of blamed it on cancel culture in his statement is a good indication that he doesn't really even believe that he did anything wrong here. Uh, Regardless of the reasons why, did come to the proper conclusion here. And I think this is the best thing. I would say, like, it's it's a day to congratulate Suns fans. Congratulations. This man has not only done all the things that we found out about in the last week, he's also just been a terrible owner of an NBA team for the last 18 years. He took a team that was one of the best teams in the NBA and made them one of the worst teams in the NBA. And at the beginning of that, he was trying to be good. Like they were making an attempt to be good and they were just bad at it. We talked about it on the spaces we did immediately after this news broke. But even just thinking about the fact that he was selling first round picks while they were a contender is insane. He was a terrible, terrible owner who treated people like crap the entire time that he was uh, working in with any capacity in the Phoenix Suns. And now congratulations to the fans for getting rid of him. I know I'm happy today. But a special congratulations to any of the employees that currently work there. You know, I imagine it's probably a scary moment where they don't know exactly what's coming next. But ultimately, they don't have to worry about it being Robert Sarver, which I think yeah. is, a, is a huge, huge, huge thing. So, look, there are two layers now, two specific things we're looking for as we kind of look ahead to who the next owner of the Suns is going to be. And they're two very, very different things of different levels of importance. And we kind of covered this last week when we talked about Sarver. It's like, if you're a Suns fan, there's a reason Suns fans have not liked this guy, have disliked this guy for 18 mm-hmm. years. All mm-hmm. of that changed after the investigation came out and there were even yeah. more. You know, there's a difference between previously disliking Robert Sarver because he was cheap or continued to be cheap versus just being disgusted by kind of the the private matters that were leaked in the investigation, right? So two things we're looking for in the next owner. Most critically here, someone who changes the culture. Mm-hmm. Because as we also talked about in the spaces, this is not something, you know, this was not one bad actor as much as the league might want you to feel that way about Robert Sarver. There was a culture of abuse mm-hmm. in the Phoenix Suns organization. And so the most critical thing is bringing in an owner who is not going to systematically abuse their employees or <laughs> put into power mm-hmm. other high-level executives who systematically abuse their employees. And are Boy, potentially, is the bar on the floor, by the I way. I know. <laughs> that's the first <laughs> thing, but you're right. That's the you're first thing, right. and that's the, mo- yeah. that's, the, that's the crisis that we are trying to clean up here. Whoever right. comes in, whoever the next owner is, 
has a crisis to handle and they're going to be facing an extra level of media and public scrutiny because yeah. of what a disaster this was, uh, this situation mm -hmm. was that Sarver created for the Phoenix Suns. So that's the most important thing. Secondary to that, though, and of interest to every single Phoenix Suns fan who wants this basketball team naturally to be as good as possible, is someone with deep pockets who's actually willing to like pay luxury tax and like field a good roster and then most importantly stay out of the way and let their general manager and coaching staff do the work that they need to do. In terms of building the best basketball team, that second part is why we previously didn't like Robert Sarver for the previous 18 years. Uh, and it's really, really important now that we find someone with deep enough pockets who's willing to just like, you know, fund the team adequately and get out of the way. Yep. I, yep. That's exactly right. You know, in as far as um, as far as NBA owners go, we've made the joke on this podcast that Robert Sarver is a broke boy. He's a broke boy NBA owner. As, as far as just having the money to properly run an NBA team, he was likely the NBA owner with the least, like the lowest net worth of all NBA owners. So I think as far as the NBA is concerned, the first of all, I should say, the other owners have to approve any new owner that sells, that whoever Robert Sarver sells the team to. So yes, Robert Sarver will get to choose who he sells the team to, but they have to be approved by the other owners in the NBA. Those owners want, they want money. They want rich guys to be involved in the NBA because those people are able to infuse lots of cash into the NBA. Ultimately, the league's success as a whole affects all of their pockets. They want somebody to be rich. Robert Sarver, I think in some respects, took care of their pockets a little bit in, in player negotiations in that he was willing to be the guy that said no to things when it came to uh, uh, actually negotiating with the players in the CBA agreement. I'm not sure they want that this time. I think they want to get done as quickly as possible. So getting someone with a lot of money in there will be important to them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the names that have been thrown around so far, Sam? Yeah, th that's fine. We can do it. It's there are only a few. Uh, yeah, the first one is. First of all, we'll cover the two that I think Sam and I have talked about for like a year now, <laughs> uh, and those two are Jam Najafi. And this is not necessarily a guarantee here with Jam Najafi because Jam Najafi did release a statement for those of you who missed it in his statement about all of this where he asked for Robert Sarver to resign. He did say that he has no intention of becoming the majority owner, basically the managing partner is how he worded it, of the team. 
Um, now, one thing I will say in regards to this, Baxter Holmes, once again, who has been incredible throughout this story, did also say that as the managing partner, Robert Sar- Sarver can choose to sell the entire team. Basically, he could make a choice to sell everyone else's stakes uh, in the team as well, does not need their approval to sell the entire team. So while Robert Sarver only owns a percentage of the team, 35% as far as we know, uh, he could still choose to sell 100% of the team. Anyone else who owns a minority stake in the Suns just gets paid out their total stake in that sale. Meaning that Robert Sarver could sell John Najafi's stake out of under him, for the record, or and all of the other uh, minority owners um, in, in this case. so just And that matters for a few reasons, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, but the first name is John Najafi. John Najafi has a net worth of $3.5 billion. Lots, lots, lots more than Robert Sarver. Is a longtime Suns fan. Is local to Arizona and very, I wouldn't say publicly, but very loudly in private, did not want Robert Sarver to own the Phoenix Suns. Uh, so he's out there. Maybe he was telling the truth when saying that he had no intention of being the managing partner of the Phoenix Suns going forward. Maybe he meant, actually, I want to own the whole team outright. <laughs> uh, but I've postulated that him making a point of saying that he had no intention of being the managing partner in that particular statement was important. Otherwise, I think it would have undercut the rest of what he said, which was a thank you, uh, what I could perceive as a sincere thank you to the people who spoke out and a call for Robert Sarver to resign. If all of that is now perceived as an attempt for like mutiny, basically, uh, I think it undercuts everything else he said. So just adding to that statement that he did not want to be the managing partner I think helped with that statement overall. We could take it at face value or not, whatever you want to do. John Najafi seems to want to own the Suns and has the money to do it. I think that's probably the best way to put that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it depends if you want to take his words at face value there or not. I certainly think there's, I would say it's 50-50, to be honest with you. Okay. He has yeah. the money to do it. Um, he has deep connections to the Suns. I certainly believe he wants to stay. You know, he doesn't want his stake sold out from under him and to, you know, leave the organization, right? He will continue right. to be involved uh with the organization in some way uh right. that that's my belief for sure it's just a question of if he actually wants to be the guy i think yeah. uh it could go either way okay the other guy is bob Iger, former ceo of the disney corporation have you heard of him <laughs> have you heard you may, of him you may have heard of him yeah <laughs> yeah uh so he he's out there right he has the ability to to purchase an nba team I think if Robert Sarver sells his 35% stake, decides not to sell the entirety of the team, which I, uh, I'll, I'll say why I think it's more likely he sells the whole team in just a second. Uh, but if he were to sell his 35% stake, that's the type of thing where Bob Iger, who has a listed net worth of $690 million, could purchase that amount. Likely. Still broke. Broke boy. Still broke. <laughs> yeah, broke boy by NBA owner standards. By NBA owner standards, yeah. Uh, uh, but he could take over Robert Sarver's and, stake pretty easily. By the way... Bob Iger also could head an ownership group with a lot of other money people Yes, that could purchase the Phoenix Suns. All of these people, in fact, could do that. Nobody has to buy the team outright. Right. Most teams are purchased by ownership groups. And and that's why, you know, the numbers only matter so much. But we do bring up the numbers because until we have better knowledge about if these guys are approaching it from a group standpoint or if they're going solo, um, all we have to go on is their individual net worth numbers. And just yeah. to be very clear for people... Forbes's most recent valuation of the Phoenix Suns was last season, where they pegged the Suns as the 18th most valuable NBA franchise with a valuation of $1.8 billion. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, though, a year later, Brian Windhorst is out here saying that they're going to sell for two and a half. 
Yeah, and Ramona Shelburne. Billies. Ramona Shelburne on ESPN today said they could go for three billion. They could go for four billion. She just very casually went from three to four billion dollars. Like I can't even believe hearing that. Four billion to me feels like, like it's not quite New York Knicks, L.A. Lakers, Golden State Warriors territory, but it's right. It's right beneath those three. And I don't think the Suns are. I think the Suns are valuable. I don't think they're a four billion dollar franchise. Can you though? The, there is some element of maybe the Suns are a sleeping giant, though, right? B- because it's hard to really quantify the damage that having one of the worst owners, if not the worst owner in the NBA for the past eighteen years, has done to their overall value. Now, something Woj tweeted about through all of this. Woj, who has also been great throughout this, I think, because he clearly does not like Robert Sarver. He said the Suns are considered an extremely desirable franchise in the marketplace and will have no shortage of high-level ownership candidates. As a warm weather destination in the West, league executives always believed this could be a monster free agent destination with the right ownership. I mean, so he's like, just he's just tickling Suns fans there. I mean, it's just <laughs> tantalizing. It's yeah. yeah, but I do think that when you're talking about valuation, three or four billion, it's not necessarily about what the Suns are worth as far as the total amount of profits that they can net. There is a club of thirty teams. And if you want into that club, if you want to own one of those teams, you have to buy one of those 30 teams. And when they're on sale, the prices are jacked up just based on the like the limited quantity of teams that exist. And now we'll get into some other names. And I think this is why you could potentially see it going closer to $3 billion. Um, here's some names that have been thrown out of people who have attempted to buy NBA teams recently or uh, have some level of, of ownership stake in NBA teams currently. The first one is Mackenzie Scott. Do you know who Mackenzie Scott is? Um, that's uh, uh, say it to me, but I think I know. Yeah, it's Jeffrey Bezos's yes ex-wife, his ex-wife, <laughs> the philanthropist ex-wife. Yeah. correct. Who yeah. is worth yeah thirty-seven billion dollars approximately? Now when we're talking about Robert Sarver either selling his stake in the Suns at thirty-five percent or selling the total net worth of the team and and selling it out from under all the minority owners. When you have people like Mackenzie Scott potentially interested and we're going to talk about some more obscenely rich people in just a second those people probably want to own the whole team and when they want to own the whole team they're going to throw a large number at you and that large number will probably encourage you to sell the entirety of the team rather than just your 35% stake because I'm not sure somebody like Mackenzie Scott who's worth almost 40 billion dollars would be interested in owning 35% of the team when she could so easily own 100% of a team uh, based on her total net worth. Right. I mean, for her, there is really very little difference between, you know, $1 billion and $3 billion, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? So, which is absurd it's, it's, to think about. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a very small percentage of her overall net worth. That's just the way. I mean, it's obscene. It's obscene. But it that's the truth of the matter. Uh, she could potentially buy the team outright. And I think somebody like her or another person, Phil Knight, Phil Knight is, he basically owns Nike. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe Phil Knight. But uh, Phil Knight has attempted, both McKenzie Scott and Phil Knight were supposedly involved in attempting to buy the Portland Trailblazers in the past. And I think Phil Knight, particularly attached to Oregon, so probably wants to own a team in Oregon. But he's worth over $40 billion as well. This man's very, very rich and could buy a team outright. If he's interested in buying a team, I think he could buy the Suns. I think there's a chance that somebody like Phil Knight, who's very attached to where he's from, will more likely wait for 
the Portland Trailblazers to be available to sell, which people suspect that it might be. He submitted an offer like a few months ago <laughs> to to the yeah. Portland Trailblazers to I try would, and purchase them, which was declined. I would point out the interesting thing about the market right now, and again, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna focus too much on what the exact prices are because the higher the bidders go, the just the more of a win that is for Robert Sarver, more so than mm-hmm. any particular Suns mm-hmm. fan, you know. So it's not like I feel a certain type of way towards it just you know in my personal feelings as a sun as a suns fan right but the reason the market is a little bit interesting is because expansion is coming um and so for someone like phil knight you know you also have to wonder if he sees uh, a seattle team on the near horizon like as soon as 2024 20, mm-hmm. 2025 yeah. that he could get in on you know being able to revive the sonics there could be a team in vegas within a few years like this is not a pipe dream anymore. Adam Silver is on the record that league wants expansion. And I think it's going to be mm-hmm. within the next five years, we're going to have 32 NBA teams. So yes, there is an opening right now and openings don't come around all that often uh, to mm-hmm. be in the exclusive club. But if you also see these other two opportunities uh, coming up soon in two other yet to be named markets, but I think we have yeah. a good, we have a good guess at what well, they're going to yeah. be. We have a good idea. And there's, there's another person I think that should be mentioned in that when you're talking about Seattle, uh, because Ramona Shelburne also listed a few names on ESPN recently. These are all directly from her. By the way, for people who don't remember, Ramona Shelburne was was heavily involved with covering the Donald Sterling uh, story when it happened and also did the amazing podcast. If you haven't heard the full podcast, I think it's called The Sterling Tapes. It's fascinating and she hosts it and it's very good. Uh, but she does a lot of reporting on NBA owners as a result. So she does have some connections in this. And Ramona in general probably has a lot of con- connections uh, in the NBA. The names that she threw out, and I think pertaining to Seattle, Bezos. Uh, he's a CEO, entrepreneur, uh, born in 1964. Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> he, yeah, the richest person on the planet. Yeah, uh, carries a lot of, I mean, if we're the talking about person the ever. sons. I think. <laughs> um, no, is he still the richest in uh, in the U.S. by network? I don't. I think so. Yeah. Um, Musk passed him at one point, but did he lose the spot again? I think so. I think okay. Bezos. Uh, Bezos has <laughs> be probably because uh, Tesla stock tanked a little yeah. bit. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. He, he, look, he comes with baggage, right? I mean, it's not exactly the the. They all do. I know. I know they all do, and I know there's yeah. no perfect billionaire, right? Yeah. <laughs> But, but no. Jesus Christ! Well, <laughs> you, I mean, yeah, you know but none I mean? of these, none of the. There's two names here that are not overly exciting for me, other than at least the rich. Like at some point, it sucks to even say it like that. But like, they're all going to be rich. But like these, like Bezos is is so rich that he could have he could invest five billion dollars into the Suns and it would be no problem. I mentioned it to you on our spaces, but Jeff Bezos could literally buy the Suns outright and still spend less on that than he did on the Lord of the Rings TV show. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings TV show will cost more than the Phoenix Suns. And you're talking about pet projects. He just did that because he wanted to. They didn't have to make a Lord of the Rings TV I mean, show. That's how much money he has. Say, say what you will about Bezos. Look, there would be a lot of baggage. I, I think it would be a tough sell uh, in terms of PR image. Yeah. But yes, if you're talking about deep pockets, there is no one with deeper pockets. He could pay the Suns luxury tax and then as a favor, he could pay every other owner's luxury tax combined. He could, he could say, buy the league twice over. The entire could, league. He could say every single season, Golden State Warriors, whoever the owner is over there, I forget, um, Bob Lake Myers. Up. 
I don't, we don't care. Like if <laughs> here, I'll pay your $500 million luxury tax tab just to be nice. And then for the sons, I'll one up you and we're going to have a $1 billion luxury tax payment to the yeah. league because we're going to do something ridiculous. I mean, yeah, yeah, there, there would be no limits with a guy like that truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's out there and, and I think he, I mean, he built an arena in Seattle. It seems like he wants to own a team in Seattle. So I think if if he if the if the NBA ends up in Seattle, I think that could be him. Uh, so we'll see if he's interested in purchasing the Suns or if he wants to wait for a team in Seattle. Someone like Bezos probably already has the inside track on knowing whether or not a team will exist in Seattle and if he could purchase it right away. Uh, Lorraine Jobs, which is Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs's wife. Uh, widow i don't know that's a weird word to use i don't know if i like using that one uh but she's also very rich <laughs> i don't know much about her other than she appears to give a lot of money away why is she in the conversation who who brought her up ramona ramona did yeah huh. and i think she she is part of the ownership group of the washington wizards if i'm not mistaken and this is actually a relatively normal thing in the nba where people who want to purchase an nba team outright and just own it will often join join the ownership group of other teams just to get in the good graces of the other owners and then attempt to purchase a team. This is what Joe Lacob did, by the way. Joe Lacob wanted to purchase a team. Uh, David Stern at the time encouraged him to buy a smaller stake of the Boston Celtics. He was a minority owner of the Boston Celtics. Once the Warriors were up for sale, he sold a stake in the Celtics and purchased the Warriors out right now. He's the owner of the Warriors. So this this path, which somebody uh, I'll mention somebody else in a second that could take that path, is a relatively normal thing as far as NBA owners go. And somebody like Lauren Jobs could potentially own the team. She's worth about twelve billion dollars according to Google. This is all Google information, by the way. I don't know these people's net worth in reality. It's probably very difficult to calculate. Uh, but she's got a lot of money, and she appears to be interested in purchasing uh, an NBA team. Uh, so that's somebody that Ramona Shelburne mentioned as well. Yeah, look, these are certainly all names with super deep pockets and I think are a little bit more high profile and would catch more eyes. Uh, I wouldn't rule out that there could be complete wild cards, though. Yeah, that, that absolutely. Come from the side. I mean, we, we were doing a cursory Google search. I'm not going to read out these names here because <laughs> I have no inside information on, on any yeah. of this. But we did a cursory go- I mean, Arizona, there's about a dozen billionaires in Arizona. Maybe it could be someone local uh, who, you know, is just going to kind of come out of left field and, and be a little bit more unexpected. Um, but, yeah, it could be it could be anyone. Yeah, uh, I think uh, she's an interesting one. Has a, a woman ever purchased an NBA? I know there's multiple women that own NBA teams. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the I don't know well enough the history. Yeah, that's just an interesting thought. The idea of Robert Sarver selling to a woman uh, is exciting to me after all of the garbage he put women through. Uh, so that's just something that's out there that she could be. The last one is Larry Ellison, the, the former CEO of Oracle, not a billionaire with a great reputation, uh, has a lot of money. Larry Ellison has attempted to purchase the Warriors, I think, more than once and appears to still want to own an NBA team. Not sure if Phoenix is the destination he wants, but Larry Ellison is out there, and that's another name mentioned by Ramona. Any thoughts on Larry Ellison? No particular thoughts. I mean, I'm having general thoughts as you bring up these names of, like, you know, should Suns fans, because I think it's a natural question to have, the whole, you know, Silicon Valley tech billionaire coming in from the outside versus, like, oh, why can't it be someone local, right? 
I, I don't think there's any fear, no matter who it is, of relocation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if we could put people's fears, if there, if those fears do exist, if we could put those at ease, who, no matter who comes in, even if Phoenix is not their ultimate number one destination, like, say, they wanted to own a team in Seattle or San Francisco or whatever, like, the Phoenix Suns are here to stay. They have a rich history of 50-plus years in the Valley, and mm-hmm. as, you know, you pointed out... A contract out, with the city for the arena. <laughs> of course, and as you pointed yeah. out, you know, from Woj, like, an attractive destination as a city mm-hmm. in their own right. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a consideration with any of these people, even if they come from the outside. I have no particular uh, specific thoughts on Larry Ellison, though. Yep. Uh, he seems like he sucks, I'll be honest. <laughs> Based on the way people have reacted. Yeah, to and that. that's, I mean, uh, I guess that's the thing. Him, yeah. yeah. You know, the enemy you know versus the enemy you don't is kind of comes into play with all of these mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we're not expecting. These are, I mean, how do I say it, dude? Like, these are billionaires, you know? Like, <laughs> you're not yeah, but expecting would you these people. Have a young to... billionaire or an old billionaire? <laughs> this is I... kind of a weird thing to say, but. <laughs> You know, like here's what I would rather have. I would rather have a billionaire with, you know, they don't have to be the the best person on the planet, I guess, but like they need to have a decent track record of. I I I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, are any of these people motivated by like doing the right thing out of the good of their heart? No, they're motivated to do the right thing because it presents good PR. So I think the best case scenario, the best thing that you could hope for, is someone who recognizes the value of good PR enough. (laughs) <laughs> to have a decent track record and to cover their own shit, like I'm, you know, I'm not. This gonna is the lie. most cynical p- podcast I think. When it everyone, you're right. Everyone should wait, wait. Okay, let me let me try and specify what I'm trying to say a little bit. Everyone should be you're excited. Absolutely right. Everyone should be excited today, regardless. It's just yeah. we shouldn't expect the next person coming in to be a- amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and to be able to clean up everything about this organization. Again, out of the good of their own heart. They're doing it because there is a financial incentive to do so, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna mention someone. This is from Dylan on, on the Discord. His name's Joe Gebbia. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sure there's I think it's Italian. I'm sure there's a way to pronounce that that's much better than I just did. He's the co founder of Airbnb. Uh and he is very rich, seven billion dollars, not like Bezos rich, of course nobody is. Uh, but extremely, extremely rich is Joseph Gebbia, and he also was a former ball boy for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he currently is a minority owner of the San Antonio Spurs and is somebody who does a lot of work helping refugees and refugee relief. He even went to the Met Gala and brought a North Korean refugee as his guest to the Met Gala just to bring more attention to refugees coming from North Korea. Uh, he is somebody who seems to be a massive basketball fan and is somebody who purchased a minority stake in a team that I think would likely want to own a team outright. You know, it's just one of these guys who's extremely rich and is a massive basketball fan. And these guys tend to want to buy NBA teams. So he's just a name out there. I would feel bad if I didn't mention him because we were talking about him on the discord today. No, no news of him being interested. This is all speculation just based on, the path that Joe Lacob took to be an owner of the Warriors, which is essentially own a minority stake in a team and then sort of transition that into uh, buying a team outright. So Again, that's another name out there. Just give me someone who's an authentic basketball fan but doesn't 
you know, without the overinflated ego, without the overestimation of their own abilities to build a basketball team. Just you're here. <laughs> we want you for your money uh, and then get out of the way and let James Jones <laughs> do his work. Essentially, that's mm-hmm. that's the goal. And, you know, ideally do not be a terrible person. and <laughs> Do not continue to yeah. abuse uh, employees. That's that's also. I wonder one. if the NBA will continue that three years in monitoring the Suns. Even if Robert Sarver is gone, I kind of hope they do. I hope they do. I will say, even if they don't, and I do think they should, Baxter Holmes is going to follow up. He's a dog. I mean, after, like, <laughs> Baxter Holmes really earned, like, I, I, he, again, should be commended for all of his work here. Like, who knew? Who Did you know Baxter Holmes' name before this story? Mm, yes, I had heard of him. Did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You're gonna. You're just gonna lie. <laughs> but to definitely the did on the not. Think of- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I did not. I did not know Baxter Holmes's name before this story, and now I'll never forget Baxter Holmes's name. I was joking on Twitter. They should name the arena after him. The Baxter uh, Home. Yeah. The ba- The ba- Baxter's home, if you will. But uh, I mean, he's gonna follow up on this story. Yeah. He's gonna follow up on this story because this was one of the biggest stories of his career. Ultimately, the Phoenix Suns are a team. That made the finals two like two seasons ago, uh, is in the playoffs now, has a young superstar in Devin Booker signed long term, has DeAndre Ayton, has Mikael Bridges, will likely extend Cameron Johnson, currently has Chris Paul uh, on the team, and has a future, lots of assets. They also have Monty Williams signed long term. They also have James Jones, not sure about his contract, but one of the better general managers has won executive of the year in the past. They also have a newly remodeled arena and a brand new practice facility. This team should be an attractive team for an owner to purchase. All of the groundwork is laid in terms of infrastructure and investment. Like you don't have to come here. It's a, it's a pretty as close as it gets with NBA teams to a finished product, right? The only thing that they do not have is the championship ring, but Mm, everything else, and a good owner. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, but obviously the new owner would be coming in. Everything else is already laid out for you. It should be, I mean, this is easy. This should be a walk in the park. It's nice to know that if they do win a championship, that Robert Sarver will not be involved uh, going forward. Right. Yeah. I mean that he will not be the first one making the speech uh, at the championship parade or, or when Adam Silver hands out the trophy after game seven in the finals or whatever. Yeah. That's great. We, okay. Do you have, let's see, obviously I'll say we're going to cover this going forward, right? There's going to be a lot more to this story. Yeah. Potential owners, how much the team is sold for, what I mean, happens after the ownership takes over, how soon does it happen? It could happen as early as a week from now, but could. I think the most likely scenario is it takes a few months, but likely during the season, we're probably going to find out. Yeah, I think I, you know, Ramona said uh, earlier today that she sees it as a process that likely drags out months and, you know, that seems logical to me. So I'm prepared mm-hmm. for several updates to come out over throughout the course of the season, essentially. This is by no means the end, but it is the beginning of the end of the saga. I, um, We've talked about it. You and I talked about it. And I was struggling with when to talk about basketball again. I think it was a complicated scenario for us who covered the team. People sending me messages of support who were employees of the team. And I didn't want to be the person that moved on too quickly from this. But I do think now we sort of have the ability of talking about basketball. There's a couple of things I just want to mention since we're on this podcast now that Brian Windhorst talked about um, and even a player that was signed on the Suns. Do you want to talk about that real quick, Sam, before we end this episode? 
Yeah, sure. We can we can cover the stuff that happened this week in terms of uh, basketball. Yeah, that's fine. The Suns signed a player, Frank Jackson, a guard who played for the Detroit Pistons in the past, and to a non-guaranteed deal for this year. Uh, do you have initial thoughts on Frank Jackson? It's <laughs> it's funny because he's because he's like a, a second round pick picked uh, you know like early in the second round in 2017. And yeah, he's on the on the Suns now. I'm sorry, but what a funny transition! transition. I know you prepared. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a new player. I, there's definitely at least a couple of listeners who kind of like they spaced out for the past 30 seconds and just came to again. And they're are you talking, <laughs> talking about, about Frank, Frank Jackson? Jackson now? He, uh, yeah, he's um, not worth enough to buy the team. Sorry, guys. He's not worth enough to buy the team. Uh, look, the the Suns have an open roster spot. I think this is more likely uh, just a training camp deal, and then we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any particular expectations of Frank Jackson. I do like the fact that he has actual tangible NBA experience. Mm-hmm. In fact, four years of it, even if it's on mostly... 18 minutes a game, too. Mostly I mean, poor middling teams, such as the Detroit yeah. Pistons for the past two years. Uh, Frank Jackson is an interesting player in that he is the size of a point guard, but without many of the skills of one. <laughs> so I think he kind of fills uh, what is a diminishing archetype in the NBA, which is that of the undersized combo guard. <laughs> career average, of, one assist per game. <laughs> right. Anytime you see a guy who's listed yeah. as a point guard with a career average of one assist per game. In 18 uh, minutes. <laughs> some Some alarm bells go off. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a guy who's going to be more like six two, six three, but really needs to play shooting guard and and hit spot up threes uh, in order mm-hmm. to survive. And so, you know, what are his, what are the real odds of him making a huge impact here? I don't think they're great, but uh, I'm down to give him a shot. I, I, I'm, yeah, you know, at at the very least, like they need bodies for training camp, and for a while it felt like they were just putting off signing anyone. So I would expect another yeah. string of signings over the next week or two for the Suns just to bring guys into camp and and work them out and, you know, Mm -hmm. allow all of their guaranteed contracts to uh, get as much practice as possible. My uh, first reaction was, oh, interesting. I wonder if that could be because they know a trade's coming. Uh, And then the next thing we heard was from Brian Windhorst, who just kind of did a notebook dump on ESPN about the Suns. He just kind of said everything he knows about the Suns in one segment on NBA Today, uh, in which he said that Jay Crowder is, the Suns are shopping him. The Suns are out there trying to trade Jay Crowder right now he mentioned that they spoke to the Utah Jazz about Boyan Bogdanovich he also said the Suns are not operating as a team that's attempting to save money they're even potentially willing to take on money in a trade with Jay Crowder so not necessarily lose money in that trade but take on higher salary you can take about 25% more than what he makes and mentioned that Cameron Johnson extension talks are ongoing uh, which is just so much from Brian Windhorst in one single segment. But I think the first thing we should talk about is Jay Crowder. The Suns are, appear to be attempting to trade Jay Crowder. We talked about it on previous episodes. We sort of had the conversation of, does Jay Crowder start the season on the Suns, and does Jay Crowder make it past the trade deadline? We both kind of agreed that he wouldn't make it past the trade deadline. I kind of thought that he might be traded before the season. And I think right now we're seeing that they're trying to trade him before the season. I don't necessarily means that they definite think that means they definitely will, uh, but they appear to be trying to trade him right now. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's it's not super new information in that it's kind of been an open secret that Jay he's wanted out, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and I think anyone who is reading the tea leaves for the past several weeks probably understand uh, understands that he put in a trade request weeks ago with the Suns. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and and like that information is only coming to light now. But I, you know, I have every reason to believe that James Jones has has been presented uh, with this information for a while, and he's been trying to deal with the cards he's been dealt. Uh, but it's difficult to make trades with this little time left in the offseason. And so for that reason, I'm not sure I've necessarily budged from my position that Jay Crowder could start the season with the Suns and then be moved in December, around December 15th, once trades mm -hmm. start to be, once it starts to be easier, once guys who recently signed contracts can be traded and teams have started to identify more glaring holes in their roster. Um, at the mm -hmm. same time, he very easily could be traded to the Utah Jazz for Boyan Bogdanovich in the next two weeks, maybe as part of some sort of three-team deal where Jay goes to a team that's actually trying to compete. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just your options feel limited with him right now, so I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. Yeah, there was a rumor that the Philadelphia 76ers are potentially interested in Jay Crowder, uh, which it's actually pretty hard to come up with a potential trade with the 76ers that makes sense for the Not Suns when outright. getting rid of Jay Crowder. Outright, right. it is, yeah, outright. You're talking about Matisse Thibel, yeah, who's a really interesting player, but just not much of a playoff contributor. Right. And, I know who uh, they want to get rid of, Tobias Harris. <laughs> yeah, they can't, we can't take Tobias Harris. Yeah, yeah like, there's just no way, the, right? the package with Philly is like Matisse Thibel and George Niang, which is garbage <laughs> for the Suns. You know, like that's right. a bad package. Now, if right. you could send those pieces, if Utah wants those pieces... And then Philly gets Jay Crowder and we get Boyan somehow. And I, I haven't worked out all of the exact math there for how to or make that work. Or if there's work, a way, because there's a scenario where the Suns need a little extra salary in order to get Boyan Bogdanovich. And that could mean Cameron Payne goes out in a deal. So if there's a way that Jay Crowder ends up getting sort of moved to a third team, if the Suns can get some sort of viable backup point guard from that third team, not necessarily that the 76ers have that. But I think that's a scenario where the Suns could be looking for that. Based on my understanding, I would say that the Suns are not overly committed to Cameron Payne. <laughs> and as we've talked about on this podcast, they probably shouldn't be <laughs> overly committed to Cameron Payne going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and just even an average point guard, I think, is that that makes Cameron Payne relatively replaceable. We talked about Boyan, but I mean, he's a guy. One thing I'll mention about Boyan, if you're trying to do a trade, I've said this in the past for him. For Boyan, it's it's hard because you can't do Jay Crowder and Tory Craig. If you could do Jay Crowder and Tory Craig, there's a chance it might be done already. I do think the Jazz want a first round pick. That seems to be all they want right now is first round picks. Uh, so whether or not the Suns are willing to do that, I think the likelihood of them being willing to trade this year's coming first round pick is probably relatively high, being that you know, they could still potentially have the best record in the league at the end of this year. That's not the most valuable first round pick. So I think maybe they could consider that uh, for Boyan Bogdanovich. I don't think they would probably go anywhere beyond this year just to not risk anything in the future. Uh, but it's hard to come up with the trade that makes sense for Boyan. Like, do you want to trade Dario Saric? Now, what if Saric sucks this year? Maybe it's a good idea to capitalize on Saric before people know how he's going to play this year. Maybe it's a bad idea. Yeah, Maybe he I, is the guy who unlocks everyone. It's hard to really know. Dario's not at a point in his career right now, especially, I'm just going to be honest, based on what I saw in your basket, because I did watch several of his games quite closely. Um, like, whether or not you have to include Dario doesn't nix a deal for me right now. Right. He's just... For, he's Specifically he, for Boyan. Yeah, I mean, I don't even okay. like Boyan that much. He's just, I get it. No, I like, actually, I kind of get that. Based on did, you said, you watch, I, yeah. did you watch any of the Croatia games? I forget if we... Or did you see the highlights yeah. at least? 
Like Boyan yes. looked significantly better than Dario. Than Dario they played on the yeah. same team. Yeah. In mm-hmm. in and and I like I don't blame Dario for this. We talked about this I think on a Patreon episode. So I'm not sure if we've had this conversation on the main feed, but like I I understand we need to give Dario time. That's fine. But if we're giving Dario time, then we can't also bill him as like the catalyst for change who like oh getting Dario back is going to be the reason that we improve this year. Like I know it's a meme to say he unlocks everyone, but he's not actually preventing a deal from happening if I were in charge. That's all. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think that's that's fair. Uh there is not a ton of time for them to make trades, you know, the season's coming relatively soon, so if they're going to do something, they probably want to do it uh relatively soon in order to uh actually make a trade that's legal. So we'll see if that happens pretty soon. Obviously we'll be around to cover that if they do make a trade. I don't know. It's, it's tough to imagine a scenario where Jay Crowder comes back this season at this point, based on, first of all, he clearly asked out. The Suns seem to be content starting Cameron Johnson. And if, you know, if we're getting to the extension talks of Cameron Johnson, if he's going to be paid like a starter, which I think he is like, I think he'll probably get like 17, $18 million a year, maybe more. Uh, you got to start him. I mean, you should probably at that point. Well, and um, Jay Crowder's not happy. And now we know that the Suns are out there trying to trade Jay Crowder. Like, that's a lot to can, bring him back after all of this. Can we address the elephant in the room with Cam Johnson real quick before we wrap up? Sure. Windhorse put out this report. Bef- it was yesterday. It was before yeah, the before Sarver yesterday. news today. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's to say that today's news has not stalled those discussions with Cam Johnson and now they're no longer able to commit to him well um, i mean like why wouldn't they be though you know like (laughs) i mean maybe you're saying that maybe they just can't or i mean it's gonna it's gonna push up their luxury tax bill at least a little bit next year yeah it's not it's not a this year thing so it's that's the interesting thing about this specific extension talks right because it's like you're signing an extension that essentially has to be approved by robert sarver or whoever his puppet is uh in there and that person who approves it robert sarver or his puppet will not be the person footing the bill most likely on that so like what would be why would they yeah not and you know it, what I, I mean the the people who are about to engage in a bidding war for the suns the yeah, difference they can afford it <laughs> exactly like the, yeah. the difference between if the team is going to go for two and a half or three billion dollars is much more important to them than the conversation of your luxury yeah. tax payment with Cam Johnson is going to be $10, 10 million, million more. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, so. uh, you know, to be honest, I think having more good players under contract probably makes the team more valuable to them as well. You know, yeah. rather than not having more good players under contract or having a scenario where they go into restricted free agency, right? When you buy the team, uh, oof, that could set up an owner for a complicated off season immediately after that. Uh, but yeah, that's, a, that's a good, that's, October, early October is the last day to sign extensions for NBA players. Uh, So they have a little bit of time to do that. And in the past, they have done that with players. You know, every time Devin Booker was eligible for an extension, it was announced the minute extensions were allowed to be announced. But in the past, other players that have been extended in the past were later in the offseason. And it's relatively normal for players to agree to extensions pretty late in the offseason if they're not stars. Uh, So we'll see if that ends up happening with Cameron Johnson. I do think, just as you mentioned, it's an interesting situation. We don't really know which way it affects it. If, you know, I just don't see a scenario where they would want to shed salary, you know, because like, why? Uh, 
who's going to pay for it? I, I don't know. Maybe I don't fully understand the process here, but it's just not a bill that they're going to foot. So why not just give him the extension and then move on from there? I certainly hope so. Yep. Uh, let's see. And that's all we got. I mean, I think those are some interesting rumors from Windhorst and we're going to see if anything more comes out of that. Obviously, more news about this Robert Sarver thing will come up soon. It might take a while, though. It might be a few weeks. I imagine Absolutely. we're going to hear some names pretty soon, some sourced names of people who are interested, and then we'll all argue about who those best <laughs> options are going forward. You got anything else before we go? Yeah, look, um, again, this is a good day to be a Suns fan. It's not the perfect outcome, and we can split hairs over the fact that it's not the per- like Robert Sarver still walks away a very rich man at the end of this sale, but ultimately he's he's doing something because partially because of you guys because of public outcry. Yeah, yeah. he's being forced to do something that he did not want to do. That is a victory, and yeah. it's not the perfect victory, but it is a victory regardless. And I think it's important to celebrate those victories when they come because it's not every day that you get a victory like this. So enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be here to cover all the updates as they come. Absolutely. And we appreciate you guys uh, for your support during this. You know, people had sent me messages thanking us too. We appreciate, we we're doing our best covering this. Uh, So we appreciate those messages of support as well. We'll be back soon. If there's a trade very soon, if not probably early next week. Thanks guys. Why is everyone so serious? This is amazing. He's gone. This is awesome. I think this is the best thing that could happen to this league. And let me say this. As a Phoenix person, and everybody on this panel, and I've always represented the, the uh, Phoenix very, very heavily. Do you know what else I am? I'm a University of Arizona person. Do you know where Sarver went to school? University of Arizona. I have sat next to him on a plane. Lute Olson, my grandfather, is one of the people that helped get this man into this league. All of those things said, he is a part of a fraternity and a family that I belong to, and I could not be happier to see that man walking out of the door. Why? Because even though I did not have these experiences. I had close friends that that, that did. I had people that were around this organization inside of, uh, of the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury organization that did. And so for me, even though these weren't my experiences, I am so happy that this man is gone. He does not belong in this league. He doesn't belong belong around people in this league. And so for me today, this is a this is a joyous occasion. I'm about to put a bid on the Suns. I'm probably going to fall a few dollars short, but I'm definitely putting in a bid. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.